This is the Gathering Ottawa's Message Podcast, and we've got another great message for you. For information about us, check out thegatheringottawa.com. To get connected, email info at thegatheringottawa.com. And just know that at The Gathering, we exist to connect people to the love of Jesus. So let's get right to it. Well, we're walking into a new season, I believe. Uh, We are slowly emerging, carefully, cautiously out of this time of the pandemic. And one of the questions that certainly goes through my mind and probably goes through some of your minds is, what's it going to look like? Like, how is it going to be uh, as we move forward? Are we simply trying to go back to the way things used to be? Or... Is there something new that God seems to be stirring among us that uh, we really need to pay attention to and to really press into? And so as we're moving into this new season, I'm really delighted. I'm sure many of you are as well, that we have new opportunities to travel. Uh, Just throw up a picture here of uh, my wife and I, as we had the chance to go to BC recently, as one of our daughters had a graduation. You know, in this season, we've had so many missed opportunities and to so finally to be present in some celebratory kind of times has been uh, really, really wonderful. And even just this last week, Karen and I had the opportunity to be in old Quebec and just to take some time away ourselves. Uh, what What a delightful opportunity just to have that kind of space and time. So we're moving into a new season. And as I was thinking about that and thinking about what I could share with you, I thought, Let's just kind of press into that a little bit. It has been, as we all know, a difficult, difficult number of years. This pandemic has impacted all of us in so many different ways. And I was thinking, can you just remember back, some of you who would have shopped at Costco, do you remember the pylons and the pallets and the lines, the long lines, the separation of six feet and all this kind of stuff and the masks and so many different things that we have been through just a really odd, unique, historic kind of experience. And we've all suffered significant loss. We've missed times together as families. Uh, We've walked through lockdowns. There have been rites of passages that we just have not been able to experience together, whether it's at school, whether it's a graduation that you didn't really get to experience. Um, Some of us have lost loved ones and friends. There's also been such an odd time of polarization and so many big issues that have been impacting and speaking into us at this time. We find ourselves thinking so differently person to person and wrestling with what do we do with all that stuff? And I think at the end of the day, we would have to say that none of us are going to be walking out of this unscathed. So how do we move forward? How do we move into the things that God would have for us? Is it simply going back and trying to recreate the past? Or is there something new and fresh? As I've been reflecting on that, one of the ways that I have been thinking about it has been through the lens of the book to the Hebrews. Those believers back in the New Testament times were scattered across the Roman Empire and they suffered significantly. I mean, the lockdowns, the implications on us have been profound, but it's not like 
what they were walking through and some of the just incredible losses and pain and just the cost of following after Jesus. And yet they found a way to really continue to keep their eyes focused on Jesus, to learn together how to really be the church that God was calling them to be in their day. And so I think there's something profound here. And so if you have your Bibles or a phone and you want to follow along, or possibly Kristen is able to get the words on the screen here for you, I'm going to read from uh, the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, starting there in verse 19. Hebrews 10, uh, there verse 19, and then in a few moments we'll go on to chapter 12. Paul says, Brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open to us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we might spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Now, in that passage, there's a lot of deep theological comments and structures that we could press into. But I'm struck by two simple little words where the writer says, let us. There's something we can actually do in this moment. There's something that we can be proactive about. Let us do this. Amidst all the challenge, he offers a way forward some encouraging steps that we can take. There's three here, and then in chapter 12, we'll get to in a moment, have two more of these simple, profound words. So it begins in verse 22, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and the full assurance of faith. It's a simple concept, and yet one that's so easy to overlook and one that's so easily uh, pulled away from us and we often neglect to draw near to God. The author invites, move closer. It's a choice you can make to listen for his voice, to spend time in his presence. <clears throat> the writer invites, friends, you can do this. In the season of isolation, Simply draw near to God. Approach him. You can take your mask off when you're in his presence. Transparent, open, and real. How do you draw near to God? It's a good question to ponder, to reflect on. What is that language within your own heart that draws your spirit towards him? For myself, it's usually getting out into nature. That's one of the most profound ways. And I have a spot here. We live in Niagara, close to Niagara Falls. And there is a spot along the Niagara River where I love to go 
I walk down by the gorge. I have an opportunity just to really press in. I love the trees. I love the water. And there's just this space that I find so invigorating and draws my heart close to the Lord. Another space where we were recently, Karen and I had the opportunity to be in the Lake of the Woods, just on the far western tip of Ontario with our daughter. And there to sit by the water in a Muskoka chair and just to have that opportunity, again, to be present with the Lord. What is it that allows you to draw closer to the Lord? It might be in prayer, it might be in nature, it might be taking a retreat, it might be music, Whatever it is that your heart language is that pulls you towards God, he says, let us draw near to God. Jesus would say in Matthew eleven twenty eight, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. So that's the first step. It's simple, but it takes initiative. Secondly, he says, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Now, this isn't simply earthly optimism. You know, in the Toronto area, as you would all know, uh, hopes were dashed once again as the Toronto Maple Leafs did not get past the first round of the playoffs. That's earthly hope, earthly optimism. Hope in God is deeper. It's in his unfailing love. The psalmist David and King David knew so much of difficulty and challenge as well, but he knew how to place his hope in the Lord. And on one occasion, Psalm 62, he writes, surely these adversaries, they intend to topple me from my lofty place. They take delight in lies. With their mouths they bless, but with their hearts they curse. Yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. You see, there's that deep sense of holding on to the hope that only is realized in the Lord. In Romans chapter 15, the apostle Paul puts, his, puts it this way. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Recently, when we were in British Columbia, I also had the chance to meet with my mother. Mom is now in her late 80s. Health is failing. The pandemic has been extremely difficult for a very outgoing social person. She fell, she broke her hip. We lost dad as a result of the pandemic. All kinds of difficult times, but in talking with her, she's a woman of faith and of passion, and she has a hope that continues to be set completely in the Lord. Well, the author gives us a third suggestion. In verse 24, he says, let us Consider how we might spur one another on to love and to good deeds. You see, this journey was never intended to be done in isolation, to, to be done on our own. We're there to be encouraging one another. And I find it so interesting. He says, 
And don't give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Are you kidding me? You mean back in the early first and second century, there were those who felt, I can do this alone. I don't need to meet together. It would seem to be the case, just like we find today. And I'm not saying just because you're at home today that you're not striving to meet together. There's all kinds of reasons why uh, and the opportunity for us to connect in this kind of fashion. But the encouragement is let us spur one another on. How do we do that? How do we encourage each other to love and good deeds? And we all know that this has been such a difficult time of isolation and closures and often we've just simply gotten out of the habit of meeting together and some of the rhythms that just help us to be more passionate you know when it comes to worship I find it difficult on my own to really be drawn I there are certain music and songs that I love to listen to but there's still something so different when you gather together and you experience worship together the writer would say, let's continue to find ways to inspire and spur one another on. I was thinking of just a couple of weeks ago here in Niagara at the Southridge location where we have been participating in a migrant worker program. The Jamaican gentlemen and from some of the other islands have just recently come back. And so we put on different events and different celebratory kind of times to encourage and inspire them as they are finding their way here in Canada again. And it was so remarkable. We had for the first time in two years, a worship celebration on the first Sunday night that we could gather everybody together. And there was just this sense that in coming together, there was enthusiasm and excitement. And if I were to show you some of the video of that time, like it was just enthusiastic and full of joy as these primarily men were just pressing into the presence of God. It's that sense of spurring one another on, being able to gather together, to connect together. And then in the book of Hebrews, you go into chapter 11 and he gives us these examples of people who continually had struggled so much and yet were finding ways. He calls them people of faith. Right at the end of chapter 10, the author says, verse 39, we do not belong to those who shrink back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. And he gives a myriad of examples of people who persevere. They captured this sense of drawing near to God, coming together, encouraging each other, resting themselves in hope. And I was thinking of a modern day example. And I know that Jeff, in your context, probably has highlighted this on several occasions, but we have this mutual friend, his name is Pavlo Lazinski. And he happens to be in Lviv in Ukraine at this moment. And walking through all the challenges of this, this horrific war that's going on and finding ways to just inspire and encourage and help the refugee migration moving through and supporting in so many ways and his wife and children being in a different country at this moment and all those complicated things. And I see examples of people of faith who have hung on to these principles and are going for it. And in this passage in chapter 11, verse 38, the writer to the Hebrews says that the world 
was really unworthy of such people. There's been so many examples and examples today. And so the writer brings us to chapter 12, where I want to kind of land our time together, where he says, and some of these words I'm sure are very familiar, therefore, chapter 12, verse 1, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and here you get it again, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The writer's analogy shifts to a race, an endurance race, a long race. And recently when we were driving out to Winnipeg, we stopped by the Terry Fox Memorial. And of course, that's such a picture of perseverance. In this case, the author here in chapter two says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And I won't stop here long, but just consider what is it that might be holding you back from really going forward, from really finding your rhythm with the Lord at this moment? What's hindering you? Is there some kind of sin that's entangling, that's holding you back? Maybe bad habits. Maybe it's a lack of faith, doubt. Maybe there's some addictive habits that you're falling into. Maybe it's simply complacency and giving up. Throw it off. He says, and then fifthly, in verse one, he adds, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I want to underline that piece, the race marked out for you, not your friend or your family member, the race marked out for me, the race marked out for you. It's personal to each and every one of us. How might I run my race? Not yours, not the one that others want me to run, but the race marked out for me. And then he wraps up with these beautiful words, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. He knew about hardship. He knew about loss. He knew all the difficulties that can go with really resolutely following after his father. He says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he sat down at the right hand of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. My mind goes back to the experience when we walked the Camino in Spain. And there is this one remarkable high point. It's the highest point on this journey across the country of Spain. And they have put up a cross. And at this cross, pilgrims come and regularly drop a rock. They drop something of themselves to reflect on this spiritual moment and to leave it at the foot of the cross 
Consider Jesus who went to the cross on your behalf so that you do not have to lose hope. So as we're moving into this new season, I don't think we should be going backwards to what it used to be. We need to be leaning forward into the new things that God would have for us. And I think some habits, some practices that could really help are recorded here where he says regularly, let us draw near to the Father. Let us hold on to hope. Let us spur one another on to love and to good deeds. Let us throw off whatever hinders and encumbers us and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. And I was fascinated by Jesus because when he went to the cross, he did all those things. He regularly drew near to the Father. He regularly held on to hope. He encouraged his followers to love and good deeds. He threw off everything that was holding him back and he clearly ran the race marked out specifically for him. We can do that. We can persevere as he's inviting us to by the working of the Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. So I encourage you to press in, to go for it, to be the sons and daughters that he's called you to be. And I close with the benediction that comes at the close of this book. Now may the God of peace, who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing his will. And may he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. May it be so. Bless you. May you be encouraged this Sunday and this week as you seek and fix your eyes on Jesus. All the best. for tuning in we're back next week with another great message don't forget to check out our website thegatheringottawa.com and tune in next week to the gathering ottawa's message podcast